Hey everybody and welcome back to The Discussion Phase, a board gaming podcast where we take a break from playing the games we love to talk about the games we love. I'm your host, Brady. And I'm Matthew. And we've got John on the table today. Hey everybody. And on today's episode, we are starting all over and answering the question, where would we go if we lost all of our board games today? And we'll conclude with our year versus year at the end, so stay tuned. As always, buckle up. John, it's been a while, man. It has been. It's I've been pretty busy. Uh, with very important things. Very important things. Um, been doing lots of things. It's been... A couple of months since I've been on the podcast, at least a month or two. But uh, we've hinted a little bit about what's been going on in your life. Yeah, but do so, you want to make an official announcement yeah, here? Yeah, official announcement that uh, Caitlin and I are now engaged, which is super exciting. So I appreciate uh, all of the, the wow. energy and in uh, faith this podcast put in that relationship. We now. will definitely be taking full credit I've, for the success of your matrimony. Hey, Matthew, how are diamonds made? <laughs> Extreme pressure. Extreme pressure. So, um, yeah, I was out last weekend actually visiting her family. Um, so when we get to some recent plays, I'm happy to talk about uh, some games I got in a little exciting uh, bit of onk and then uh, some other games this past week too. So lots of good things happening. I feel like I only... It, we're kind of getting to a point where I only see you on Gloomhaven nights. Yeah, it's it's been busy um, for sure, and then sometimes you're uh, you're busier on Wednesdays if we're ever getting together. So it's definitely been. Yeah. But John I've enjoyed having the Monday night. Yeah. Uh, Gloomhaven. But John has been telling us for a while now. I was like, guys, when I get married, I'll have more time exactly. to spend with you all, and. I, I don't know if that's, I think he's maybe living in a little bit of delusion. See, no, if I'm spending more time with her just in general, right, you know, living together, then she won't want to see me as much and then I can play board games yeah. more, right? She'll, that's how yeah. it She'll works only, in my mind. You only spend time when y'all are making your budget once a month and she's allowed, <laughs> allotting you $175 uh, to live on, which we both know that that's board game money. Exactly, exactly. Right. Any spending money equals board game budget. Yeah. Now, we got in a, a doozy of a game last night. Oh, yeah. Um, John, a little bit of an international flair straight from the lands of India. Yeah. Um, I've never been to India. I'd love to go Neither and I. visit. I think, you know, there's some beautiful places, but we, we need got to a brush little, up on our Karam skills before we go. That's for We certain. got a little taste of the culture with a board game called Karam, if we're pronouncing it correctly. Uh, we were, um, last night, y'all were finishing up a game of Xenoshift, and I showed up. Um, and then we were like, what are we going to do? You know, you know, it's a little late to start break out, you know, a big Euro two hour game. Uh, and then Steven was like, I have a game called Karam that I just picked up from my uncle. I think he said either his uncle or some yeah. family member was a missionary over in India and had brought them back, brought it, brought it back with them. But this is ex- essentially a dexterity game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't we're trying It's kind of like pool thing. It's a square board and there's two, uh, two colors of discs on the board. And you have a striker disc, which is a little bit larger than the other ones. And then there's a queen, which stays in the middle. And it's similar to pool where each um, person takes a turn flicking the disc, et cetera, and trying to knock um, their colored discs into one of the four corners. So the thing that's different from pool, obviously, outside of a couple other rules, is you don't play the, the striker or the cue ball effectively where it lies. Every turn you get to move it back and forth along yeah. the line in front of you. So there's some boundaries and 
uh, other rules you have to attest to there, but the general premise is the same. You're trying yeah. to knock all your pieces. So it, it's in. a two v two. I don't. There may be a one v one variant sure. for it, uh, but you're sitting across from your teammate uh, with your opponents in between you. And like John said, when it's your turn, you pick up the striker from wherever it is on the board, and each player has a small little strip of uh, piece on the board where they can set the striker to shoot from. Um, and then in that, like technically, you know, if you're playing by very technical rules, there are foul lines to like, I cannot cross my arm or my hand over a certain part mm -hmm. of the board into John's or another opponent's um, territory there. And then wherever you place a striker, then you can flick it. Um, and so it does have a little more yeah. flexibility with you setting up your teammate for everything but it was just a fun dexterity game not very complicated i know uh, one game that um, david has gotten I, i'm trying to remember the exact name kabuto of it sumo. kabuto sumo which essentially it's it has the same concept of those like coin machine those mm -hmm. vegas coin machines where you drop a quarter in and it pushes the quarter and you're trying to get other things to push but like whenever you push it things don't necessarily go forward they kind of yep. disperse and so they're filling up this board and you're trying to get things to to fall off and knock your opponent's uh, pieces off. So I'm excited to try that. We haven't yeah. really delved into a lot of dexterity games. I know real big popular ones like Flick 'em Up, the Flick 'em Up Dead of Winter version and stuff like that are really popular. Crokinole yep. uh, and stuff. Uh, Clask, another game that David has. Um, so there's there's a lot of fun. Oh, we ah, Ice Cool is a dexterity mm -hmm. game we played. So there's a lot of fun, but there's also a lot of frustrations at sure. the same time because. To get good at these games, I feel you'd have to play them a lot, and we're not pulling them out, but they're still nice to pull out. I was like, hey, let's just have either, you know, I always enjoy, I talk about on the podcast all the time, like cooperative, competitive setting. Yeah. So 2v2, 3v3, I love those. And so dexterity games kind of give you a chance to do yeah. that. You you really like talking trash, and oh, you yeah. also like when a skilled teammate can back you up when you're bad at the oh, game. So listen, that's why you like these kind of 2v2. Just give me an immensely talented because partner, you were and talking I'll do all the talking. trash all the time, and Steven was sinking those, uh, I don't know if you call them the discs the whole time, but it was a pretty fun, uh, fun event. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm sorry you missed out on it, Brady. I know we, so Wednesday night has changed over to our family night with mine and Tara's family. And we, I always try to bring over a game for them and they are, this is where Tara gets this, but they are notorious for, um, not being able to make decisions and like <laughs> their turns taking forever. And, uh, so I try to lighten the load a little bit. So I brought over a game of Royals, which not says, a very heavy game. Nope. That's a ticket to ride level. It says 60 minutes on the box. It took us about two hours. Hey, there's a lot <laughs> of decisions a fun game. you can... You're playing yeah, five players, too. It was a fun game, and Tara ended up thwomping me on that Ooh. game. It's a good good thwomping. Good old thwomping. Also, Brady, I don't know if you want to share, but you've had a little bit of change, too, and your time kind of... And we're going to be seeing how you can balance work life, game life, and school life now. Yep. So school started up for me. I am trying to, what I've kind of finagled here for myself is like a, a Monday, Wednesday, Friday is school. Mm -hmm. And then Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday morning is work. And then I work no evenings. So I've got evenings for, for the boys, evenings for family. life and family yep. and all that kind of stuff. It, so it I'm, I'm the type of person who very much prioritizes work-life balance and so yeah. my goal is to not run myself into the ground absolutely and you know i feel as as we you know we're still in 20s but as we get older it's very important to to manage time i remember i mm -hmm. went through a com 
four years undergrad, two years of grad school. And John asked me how many times I kept a planner for schedules or classes or tests or assignments. How many times did you keep a planner, Matthew? Uh, none. None. Hmm. And I was just a wild man, just oh, living yeah. on the edge of glory at all, all moments. <laughs> yeah, I was that way in college as well. And it was probably not the most fun thing. I don't know that I could <laughs> do, I that, could again. do that today. No, no, no it, it gets too much. Yeah. But one of the other games that I got to play over the weekend um, that I won't dig too deep into because I know we as a group haven't been able to I play it. I still have not got um, the shipping notification for the core game yet. Yikes. I've gotten to play Matt. So I got to play Ankh, Ankh not only once, not only twice, but three times oh, over the course of the weekend ridiculous. Um, with Byron and then Caitlin's uh, brother-in-law and or brother and sister-in-law. Sorry. Um, and it was just a blast. I really enjoyed it. Um, so it what was, are some initial first impressions? I know we want to save mm -hmm. until we get the game in and all of us really over the top competitive heads sure. just go two to two. I feel you weren't, you may have been, I feel you maybe not been too cutthroat competitive with in-laws. You want to keep the peace. Exactly. Exactly. They're, they're good gamers. Uh, especially Caitlin's two brothers are, are very sharp and so is Byron, uh, and her sister-in-law did very well, uh, too. So it wasn't uh, a lack of competition by any means. Um, so I won the first game kind of out of beginner's luck. Um, uh, and then I lost the second and then won the third with uh, a merge. I was the player that got merged. Yeah. Um, so someone came down to me. That's a, a mechanic we can talk about in a future episode but first impressions it's just a very fun game it feels very polished um it plays quickly um if people kind of know what they're doing it's similar feel to um scythe where you can kind of say these are the actions i'm doing i'm going to take this one then this one the other person can start going because there's not a lot of effect um in terms of triggering battles or other things like that just by taking a move action so um the biggest thing would be if you're action triggers an event so that's when you kind of have to pause for a second and make sure um, yeah. you know everyone else is aware so it played pretty quickly once everyone was familiar enough with the rules um the game looks beautiful um the combat was um pretty solid um there's a lot of, of victory points to be had or de uh, devotion within the combats alone is how you're scoring your points so i'd be interested to hear because it, it felt kind of swingy in that regards like the um the last game we played i got merged in one combat and, and then the next combat me and Ryan scored at like 18 points and won the game on that next combat alone. So like there's, we went from being on the very bottom to getting into a position in those next four turns before that combat to win on that next one. So it was very interesting how it worked. So yeah, that um, sounds interesting. I am looking forward to seeing how that mechanic plays out. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would, um, mainly because me and Ryan, we were also right next to each other on the table, which helped and both kind of had a similar strategy going about. So when I merged with him, I had kind of seen it coming because I was a couple of points behind yeah. um, and tried to set myself up by not necessarily going for establishing a board presence because when you get merged, all your stuff comes off the table. So I tried to build up some resources that got pooled once we yeah. merged and then went from there. And it, it turned out being pretty powerful. And that was one of my theories, uh, uh, you know, just from what I've been able to read, initial reactions, why some people may not have been enjoying that is because mm -hmm. maybe they weren't planning for it in advance like obviously yeah. if you don't have i mean obviously i haven't played it but maybe if you didn't have to merge maybe you could try not to but if you sure. knew you had a good likelihood of merging setting yourself up to be in an advantage state so then yeah. you actually feel more powerful i know one thing that in eric lane's games especially with one we love so much in blood rage is that even in our countless plays of blood rage that we have now and so so much familiarity with all the cards and mm -hmm. all the the monsters and all the gods and everything in it we're still feeling like every game there may be a new mm -hmm. combination or a new way we're manipulating something sure. to eat things out and even in the 
I'll, and I feel like Rising Sun and and Ankh even has more replayability content sure. than Blood Rage, but Blood Rage still has that sense of game after game. There's always something new, some new tension. I know you only played three games, but did you feel like in those three games you were learning some new strategy yeah. or maybe something that felt underpowered or overpowered? Mm-hmm. Now there was a new way to counter yeah. counteract with that. I definitely, um, definitely, I would I would say yeah. So there was pretty much a different strategy that I went for each time and a different set of the kind of asymmetric. Ankh powers that you have that I kind of went for. Um, I can see kind of at a surface level, there were some that just seemed better than others. Like there's one where you just get an extra follower when you take the gain followers action. But I tried instead of going for that one, I went for the one that at the start of combat, you gained a follower for each region you were in. So like switching it up to try to see if you want to be more aggressive, if you're trying to just build more static resources. So it seems like there's a lot of asymmetry that you can build out um, over the course of the game. So I'm sure it's going to have a lot of replayability. Yeah. And I, I know there's with all the, all the extra content, there's probably close yeah. to 10 different gods or main characters yep. you can play. And there's a plethora of the guardians, which mm-hmm. are like the monsters that you play and they have unique abilities that yeah. can change the strategies of what you do each game. So I think there's a lot of new things constantly being explored. And there's also scenarios. Did yep. you, play different scenarios each time or did you do like a base so we game did, yeah we did the there's two scenarios that have setups for two to five players without a difference in uh rules without any special scenario rules so we played yeah. through all three games on just those base setups yeah and i know that they've even released uh what's really cool about scenarios is that you can keep adding content to sure. that online and they've already simon has already released another scenario online that you can download yeah. and play and so i think that in itself, which is something I think would be really cool concept to add to um, Blood Rage is like some scenario that the world is in before Ragnarok that you have to mm-hmm. adjust to. So I think that's going to lend to a lot of replayability yeah. and a lot of fan community involvement sure. and adjustment. And adjusting. I know, you know, Simon and Eric Langs have so much love and passion behind them that I can only imagine how much content is going to be made by the yeah. fans for that. So I'm excited um, to, I, I just want a shipping notification. <laughs> just John. want it to come in. I just want a shipping notification to know yeah. it exists because I'm really trying to get paranoid that all I spent for that three hundred plus dollars on the pledge was a playmat. Yeah. That's all I've gotten so far. And your shipping container fell off the ship, and it's somewhere in the <laughs> middle they don't of even the know Pacific it. Ocean right now. Yeah, yeah but, we're gonna have to go scuba diving for Frank. Well, I'm I'm super excited, and I think the group's really gonna love it. I think it's a good uh, mixture. It plays up to five too. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a good, good mixture of what's yeah. in Blood Rage, what's in Rising Sun. Um, Another thing the, I the mentioned: combat's very. Um, you have perfect information going into the combat, but there's a lot of mind games you can play, yeah. right? So similar to Rising Sun, the combat in Rising Sun was what I enjoyed the most. And you Absolutely. have a few more options and you didn't necessarily feel pigeonholed. Even if you knew, all right, I'm most likely going to lose this combat, right? You still had a couple options where you could try to maybe threaten the Plague of Locusts and force them to spend more followers if they want to kill you. You could get victory points for your guy dying or you could uh, build a monument and try to generate some more presence. So there were a lot of options, even if you weren't, you know, clearly going to win the combat, you could still, and then that's when the mind game comes in where if the other person's like, well, I'm clearly winning this, maybe I'll be greedy and go for this card that gives me extra victory points. And then the other person calls them on the blood. There's a lot of, yeah. And I mentioned that to you the other night that that was my one area of kind of concern. Cause it it could be when you have perfect information, it can either be really exciting. Mm -hmm. Like in Lord of the Rings confrontation, I know exactly what you have and what you've played and what you can do, but there's still that mind game. Or Mm -hmm. is it going to feel like, well, I know what he has. He knows that I has. It's just a predetermined, it's not even worth thinking about. We both are on the same page, yeah, but you have plenty of options and flexibility. Yeah, Very That's cool. how I felt. And sometimes you like, you knew the other person was going to cycle 
their cards because they had already played four, right? So yeah. there, there's sometimes where you can kind of telegraph a decision, but um, and the I miniatures never felt forced to go for one. Yeah, and then what were you saying? The miniatures are the miniatures were just fantastic, more than more detailed than I expected to them to have. Um, you know, Anubis was one of the gods that I played, and he's got you know, a bunch of skeletons hanging off his body and like worked into his armor and they just look really, really solid. Yeah. One thing that I heard reviewers say is that the miniatures for this feel a lot different than what Simon yeah. is used for uh, Rising Sun and Blood Rage. They're using a harder plastic mm -hmm. so that you're not getting the wobble like in the, like the figures that we have in Blood Rage, like the little spears or the yep. swords will bend a little bit. This nope. is a harder, um, more high quality plastic. So, so I'm really excited to kind of start painting some of this stuff too when yeah. it gets in. And everything. I know you've got like three years worth of painting stuff. <laughs> nice little backlog. That's game, right. Yeah. So it's, it's when we had that episode about painting. It's like, what are we going to prioritize first? I think you know the uh, some player pieces, player markers, and then we're gonna like, what is everyone's favorite gods? We'll start with that. Yeah. Yep. I called dibs on Sobek to start. What Sobek? So, that's that's the, the one I'm calling. That's the for. overpowered strategy. That that's I the found. croc. Yeah. Dude, I want the croc. Brady, uh, I've already called the croc. Did you? Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, I don't know. I'm gonna paint them blue. I'm going to go crocodile. for Horus, man. Horus was my favorite. Yeah, Anubis and Raw and all. They just look really look cool. And so, the Osiris miniature might be my favorite, though. He's just ginormous. And I, I know we can have hype. I don't even need the game to be like a 10 out of 10 mm -hmm. necessarily, but I want it to be good, but a game that we're constantly wanting to explore more of. Did you play with any of the Pharaoh expansion uh, at all? We didn't. I was looking through it, and it seemed like it actually wouldn't be too difficult to include. It kind of adds a little market of cards that you can select from in a kind of separate area control mechanism where anytime you take the move action, you can move some priests around on this alternate yeah. board, deploy extra to there, and those politics cards kind of give you a one-time effect. So yeah. um, I'm interested in how much that would... That would differ. Go ahead. Yeah, it reminded me kind of like the priest when Rising Sun yeah. added that little mechanic. There's special abilities that you can claim if you do a little area control thing. Yeah. yeah. On I there. just all I'm asking for is for it to be somewhere in the middle of Rising Sun and Blood Rage. Yeah. How, all. It how can't, often? It can't be better. That's what. Surely. I, I I would not right now say it's better than Blood Rage. I would say it's up. I think it's different enough. The positioning and the area control aspect seem to matter a lot more in this game than Blood Rage, and it was less. Um, defined you know in blood rage you know that each spot is you know the thing that changes is where ragnarok's going to happen right but each spot's going to have you know this spot has four units this one has three interstill is always in the middle whereas this one the map's going to shift as the game goes on people because can you, divide them in yeah. different spaces so that aspect if you're more about that let me position my units in a, a nice fashion you enjoy that aspect of it more i think it's um you know it's going to be up one there. interesting thing exciting thing is like how much of an impact like laying down camels to essentially mm -hmm. change the division, either making yourself in a better position or hurting your opponents. How yeah. often was that involved in your game? So I think one of the biggest things, and I wasn't even expecting it to be much of a um, an effect, but it took really happened the, the last game, um, where whenever you divide a space, you put the next highest number. So say you're playing with four people, you have one, two, three, four out on the board, and that's the order that combats are finished. So when you put a camel and make that fifth region, you put the five in there, and then between the two regions that you split, you can exchange one of those tokens with any other token around the map. So you could make okay. the spot that used to be resolving fourth now resolve first. And it actually had a pretty decent effect on how the combats played out because some people will gain you followers or you'll get extra effects when um, you know you win a combat. There's also the, yeah. the obelisk strategy, which lets you move your units around to each battle. So you could change it. It, it was really unique how... The actual splitting up of the areas didn't make a huge difference, but the ability to move those order tokens around were pretty effective, I thought. 
Very cool. I know like in Rising Sun, a lot of times you're looking at, okay, which of these regions are activating first? Mm -hmm. So I know how much of my coin do I have left to win different bids for actions. And so it seems like you're going to try to manipulate. You either want to go earlier or go later. You may want to hold on to cards because you know you'll be in Mm -hmm. other comments. Very good. Yeah, I like it. So we'll we'll see when we actually finally (laughs) get the game in. All right. Are you guys ready to lose it all? I am. Brady, when you uh, presented this topic to me, I got really excited. Yeah. So tell us us what we're doing here. Yeah. So you have just lost your board game collection in some horrible accident. For me, it'd probably be like my cats just went on a tirade through my board game room and just tore them all up. Mm. Mine would be someone stole my car. Because I keep all the yeah. <laughs> and I had a house keyboard fire. games in the in the, in the and trunk. they weren't covered on my renter's insurance. Yeah. Oh my gosh! You know, you probably could like for our board. I don't even know the value of our board game collections, even individually or collectively. But I'm pretty sure you, could, if you really needed to, you probably get an insurance policy oh, out sure. on them. But anyways, so we have lost it all, and we the insurance money came in. How much is it? It's a hundred dollars. A hundred dollars. I need some new yeah. insurance. We must have been you got a hundred. Yeah, you got a <laughs> you got a hundred dollars to build a completely new collection. So what's, and honestly, this is to be, really better um, help out people who may be just starting because a hundred dollars um, is a decent amount of money for somebody looking to get into a hobby. I know. Um, if I'm getting into something, whether it's disc golf or whatever, I'm usually willing to like like give up a hundred dollars to like yeah. try out a hobby so this is a great starting point sure. for anyone wanting to jump into it um yeah. and so that's so that's what's some of at? our rules and restrictions for how are we finding these games and making decisions um so there's not a whole lot of we're kind of the rule is that you have to be able to like hit buy now today so yeah. You're looking at pricing. Yeah, in stock. Whatever website you use, you can kind of list it on there. But um, there's no shipping charges, no taxes. Um, It's tax-free weekend right now. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, yeah. So those are really the only stipulations, other than one hundo. Okay. Who wants to go first? I'm happy to go first. I think I came up with a pretty interesting list. Uh, Are we going to one game at a time? I think it would make most sense to go through your whole list and then um, pass it on to the next one. Okay. Because we're not doing a. I mean, if I have something on my list that Brady has on his list, it's not like it cancels out. Correct. All right. You can start soft, John. All right. You can kind of get. Give us a little bit of your thought process with yeah, building your, for your sure. list. Is so, it just Gloomhaven? It's not. I did contemplate that because I'm honestly just drinking the Kool-Aid with Gloomhaven. I love that. But my budget came in uh, $99.48. So I got $0.52 cents to work with. Uh, maybe I'll get that Phase 10 coffee you found on eBay. Um, <laughs> but I thought if I had nothing, I'd want to kind of create... a a small library with a few different options. So my first pick coming in at $10 and 75 cents is the resistance. So wow, I think the this resistance is, for $10. That's a I good think deal. it's a pretty fantastic game. Uh, one of the best hidden uh, role games I've ever played. Uh, thoroughly enjoyable. I know a lot of people here enjoy it. You can get that on Amazon for 10 75 right now. That's a steal. Um, I Everybody, was debating between this. You and don't coop. have that coop coup. Coo. Um, but I think the resistance is a little bit more when you pee, exciting. It must be silent. <laughs> It's just Q. So Q is a great game, um, but I think the resistance kind of edged it out for, you know, a lighter party game, you know, something you can get more people involved in. Um, and now I'm going to lead into my heavy hitter of the rotation, which I'm assuming Matthew has on his. I'm not sure. But for 
$48 right now at Card House, you can own the one and only Great Western Trail by Alexander Pfister. $48? So $48. That's half your, I figured half you could of get, your collection is going to yep, one game. Yep. Wow. Because it is just that good. I think if you're going to own one euro and you're fitting that one euro under $100, Great Western Trail is the euro for me. I think it's it's just a fantastic game. I don't have anything better to say it. And you can go to cardhouse.com right now and get that for $48. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, with all these, like they're all mostly online things. So you're going to be paying an absorbent amount of shipping if you <laughs> go with each individual. Well, if one, you're able to get them from the same exist. There, most, I, I have my. Most of these places, if, you, if you're able to find them in the same place, when you hit $99, $100, or $125, shipping is free. So maybe if you find one that's the ninety nine place, or if you yeah. can find one on Amazon, most of the time Amazon isn't the shi- isn't the uh, the cheapest. Yeah. So you will have to pay some kind of shipping. But we're we're living in a world where shipping is shipping free, and tax doesn't, doesn't exist. exist. It's a blissful world. Correct. My next item is going to be coming out of left field, and I don't think either of you guys are going to expect it. But for seventeen twenty five right now on Amazon, you could buy apples apples. X-Wing, The Force Awakens core set. Wow. And this what? came onto my list. X-Wing? I have never played X-Wing. Pre-paint, they're pre-painted, right? Yeah. So I've never played X-Wing. And this set only comes with a few ships and the basic rules and all that. But I thought a nice little miniature skirmish game would be a perfect complement to the party games as well as the heavy Euro would provide something completely different. And it's also something as you're starting, you could be happy just owning this little core set and playing some games, you know, every once in a while with your with your uh, Force Awakens miniatures, or it kind of provides a foundation for you to expand future uh, board game purchases into the genre if you enjoy the game. So I thought a nice little miniature skirmish game would be fun. That's a dangerous game right there, let yeah, me tell you. I know. because start out with $17. <laughs> they, know, they know you're going to spend more. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. It's a, ga- it's a gateway game. And the next game, this one's going to be a shout out you to... You still have money left to spend? I got two more games on this oh list, my buddy. Gosh. For $20.49, also from cardhouse.com, you can get Under Falling Skies. Now, this How is much? a game, $20.49. Wow. So this is a shout out to David. Um, I miss him dearly, but this is a game that he's posted pictures of. I know he loves it, some discords and some others. And it's basically space invaders, um, you know, on steroids. So you're rolling your dice, you're moving them around different lanes on your, uh, it's a solo game on your little board to perform actions. The strength of the action depends on the value of the die. And you're trying to fight a bunch of aliens that are coming to, you know, invade and blow up Earth. So I thought as a solo game, um, I've heard lots of great things about this. It's kind of crunchy from what I've heard. So that's kind of the one downside. If you're not a established gamer, yeah. this isn't a new gamer collection. I mean, but in theory, you could play this with two people cooperatively sure. working together. Yep. So um, I think it would be a good alternative to some of the more multiplayer focused games on the list already. Go ahead. No, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Okay. Your just breath is taken away by the <laughs> wonderfulness of this list. So that leaves me with $4 remaining or three fifty. And what are you finding for three fifty? A deck for of cards. For two ninety nine at Target, I'm picking, <laughs> I'm picking up a deck of bicycle playing cards. I wow. didn't think of that. You That's can not play a game. Excuse me. You can play so many different games of that. You can play solitaire. Literally, the game that solitaire modes are named after. You could play by yourself. You could play spades with some friends. You could play trick taking games. I think a deck of cards is versatile. And for the remaining three dollars, it was a great filler. But um, from the top, that was The Resistance, Great Western Trail, X-Wing, The Force Awakens Corset, Under Falling Skies, and a deck of playing cards. You know what's funny is 
you, I don't even think the force, the reason why that's so cheap now that I think about it is because it's still the first edition. So you, you oh. got to buy the conversion <sighs> kit. But still, you know, that doesn't mean it's a bad edition. game. Since it's a standalone core set, you could technically play with the old rules. You could rules. definitely play with the old rules. Okay, Matthew, but, you want to go first or you want me to go first? I'll, I'll, I'll go. Okay. Um, maybe I'm, I'm regretting not picking a a little more expensive of a game. I was trying to get the most thing for my buck. I probably maybe sure. should, because I think you can get Lorenzo Almanifico for maybe $35, $36. I've seen it been going. Brady's yeah, list. I figured Brady's going to pull that on his list. I didn't realize Great Western Trail was down in the 40s. Um, but I definitely... Yeah, Matthew's copy is like $120. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I tried to find cause I had some heavier strategic type games that were still in a smaller package and a, and a smaller price point. Um, and I think I found a couple that could definitely flip the bill, but I'll just start with a couple that I really enjoy and I think can be really versatile and both for both gamers and family and um, people who are and aren't into games alike. And that is for $9 and five cents. That is no thanks mm. for what? $9, $9 and five cents. Wow. You can be the proud owner of no thanks. What is no thanks? I don't think I played that one. Brady, are you the one who owns a copy of this? Yeah. Oh, this is I one with the old chips the, where the you're saying, no, I don't want to take that number. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think it, it's so simple. I think a lot of times these, these games that make you say things can be really gimmicky, but it is so satisfying when, because the whole concept is you're trying to avoid taking these cards that are high value. Uh, and so you have little, chips that little tokens that you can place on it and say no thanks because i have a token still to place on it uh i pass and you kind of keep those tokens secret and so it's just so satisfying saying no thanks and no thanks or do i grab it and when you grab the card not only do you get the card but you also get the chips so mm -hmm. sometimes you strategically want to get the chips uh and i've had so much fun and such a blast playing it it plays super quick you play several times over and over, and I think it's one of those games. This that one gets surprisingly cutthroat. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! If you are continually passing that thing up, and you know when when everyone knows you can take it for for like negative points, um, and you're just like milking it, eventually someone's gonna be like, "No, out of just pure spite, I am not allowing you to do this." It's, so there's is, there is a good amount of tension. Do I let the card pass around to come back to me? Like Brady said, sometimes. When everyone knows that you need to take the card, but you're trying to milk some extra chips out of it, it's fun. So that's my first one there. No thanks. Uh, to continue with something lighter uh, that I've always had a blast playing uh, multiple player counts, um, and you really can play over and over and over. There's even harder modes you can do, and that is the mind. Hmm. Um, I don't I'm know. actually surprised you put this on your list. I was about to put it on my list for nine dollars and forty nine cents. I think when I bought it, I bought it when it first came out. It was closer to seventeen, eighteen dollars. Um, it's much more at a reasonable rate because it literally is a deck of hundred cards. Is all it is, and some little extra ones. But I think it adds so much hilarious kind of gameplay and it's really all about the meta like learning your players it rewards repeated play so this would be great with a family of four game family of three i've actually played this at a five player account and adjusted a little bit but for close friends or families that play it over and over mm -hmm. again they i've literally spent two hours with a group once and we just played this game over and over trying to get better and better and then you know when someone makes a mistake everyone just gets equally frustrated and laugh at the same time it's like okay let's start again and let's keep going um so the amount of 
replayability and it's so tiny it's such a tiny package and i guess even technically if you wanted to use those cards for something else because it's just a deck of That's zero true. to a hundred or one to a hundred the only game of the mind i like to play is living in yours rent free matthew <laughs> i know i live in brady's rent free <laughs> well, we, we both know good. this um so next we have you mentioned it resistance for everything that you mentioned mm-hmm. i think this is still the go-to social deduction game for both low and higher player counts um there, there's some expansions you can get later on too if you find another fifty dollars. And how much was this? Ten dollars. Ten dollars and seventy-five cents. Seventy-five cents. This one is not on my list. It's a fantastic. But if I knew it was deal. ten dollars, I, I probably would have made some way. Yeah, and this is another game, kind of like what I mentioned before with mine. And no thanks is a game that you just can play over and over again because uh, it's a game that constantly changes with each repeat of play. Not because the game changes, but mm-hmm. how players learn each other. Your meta. Okay, this is what someone would do. Oh, we know if someone puts a reject, this means that. But then, oh, I'm going to subvert what they think, and it's just a constant reverse psychology. Reverse your reverse psychology, and there's just almost infinite gameplay with mm-hmm. it. I all looked at the coup. Uh, I think there's little although the coup is better at a lower it's player count strategy in coup typically it's just <laughs> yeah. a little snappier i would argue quicker. there's man there's just a higher learning curve on coup i agree like Agreed. when you, you introduce it does. to new people they just well, so do not get the game um they and don't understand what's going on they it, don't understand how to win and how to like not get backed into a corner yeah um and there's yeah. the player elimination too, which is fine because it's a lower player count, and I don't mind that when we play it because we do play pretty, Usually plays pretty snappy. Quick, yeah. But there, sometimes I do feel there is like, well, we kind of we kind of get a little deterministic a little bit when you kind of math it out. Um, but I think resistance has it to the very end. Everyone get to that final vote, and there's tension, yep. and we reveal why didn't you trust me? It's like I'll never trust you again, and it's, yeah, it's my, great memories, and it plays over into the next game. My favorite is the first turn where everyone just takes three and says that they're the Duke. And no one's willing to call <laughs> yeah, anybody no out on it. Yeah. And then that one person in the end of the game picks two, and then it's like, you nope, know, you can't do How that. How many does the coup play up to? It can play up to well, eight, played, I thought. It's six oh, with the base six, game, yeah. eight with... Okay, that's more than I thought. I no, thought actually, it's I thought ten it was five. Wow, okay, that's way more than I thought it was. Um, and so you, would be, you wouldn't be wrong choosing either one of those two. I just, resistance, I think, is a little more versatile. Uh, next, I have code names. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone, okay. everyone knows this game. I think this game is still great with casual gamers, family members, and heavier gamers who like just pushing it to three and four word clues. Matthew, if you don't have a big boy, you're what this guy's got seven party games over there. And oh, I'm going to be so lots of small. We're about to start picking it up. Okay. We're starting to pick it up. But I, 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 I will not say no. If like the four of us, four of us in the group wanted to get to play code names real quick in between a filler, three word never clues say no. only. Oh yeah. I would definitely, no one is allowed to say a one word clue and you're limited to how many two word clues you can use. I mean, we're, we're pushing it's it. Super code names. Um, so stepping up a little bit into a cooperative little heavier strategy game, well, not heavy, but a little step up is Forbidden Desert. Mm-hmm. I think this is still um, on the level where Pandemic is, where it's a great... And how uh, much co- are you getting this for? Oh, yeah. Forbidden Desert, seventeen ninety nine. Yeah, good deal. You have a metal tin. You have plastic pieces building your ship. Um, you have a lot of tokens. You have a lot of pieces. You have a custom insert. More than you're definitely going to get with something like Pandemic, which is going to charge you $30 to $40. Um, and I can play this with my family. I can play this with you all because it has adjustable difficulty uh, with the game. I think it adds great cooperation, yeah. little unique player abilities, and the game is constantly changing because there's you, the deck changes. You can change difficulty. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think you get a lot of bang for your buck for this. I've, I've yeah. haven't had this game go over wrong because people were like, "This is so different and unique." Like the sand is piling up, and we're trying to move around it, and we're using our dune blasters yep. and everything, and we're working together. Um, so that's I have great. played it once, but for a hundred dollars, that doesn't leave room for a co-op in my book. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next, I have Blue Lagoon for nineteen ninety nine. Nineteen ninety nine. I would. Do you have this on your list, Brady? I don't. Wow. Okay. I found it for nineteen ninety nine. I. When David introduced, he introduced Blue Lagoon and Babylonia very close to each other. Uh, both of them are the good doctor, Reiner Knizia, yep. uh, his games. I loved both of them. Babylonia was a little more expensive. I think I, I think I may like that a little bit more, but I think the strategy and uh, the uniqueness of Blue Lagoon for 1999, um, it's not a big game. There's not a lot of complexity in its basic rule set. But the strategy for timing your opponents, your opponent's yeah. willingness to commit increases the comp- the strategy of it. And it's one of those games where when you want to get more out of it, you mm-hmm. can just because you're wanting to play the game a little bit harder and intense. And so even though it's more not a it's not a completely simple game, but it's a more simple game to probably teach a uh, small package. But you can still get a lot of little when you want a little heavier kind of let me think about my move. You can get that with Blue Lagoon. I- yeah, I think that's a fantastic pick. Yeah, and the the price, I mean, you couldn't if they made it any cheaper Brady's they'd be losing money. Right yeah. Now. <laughs> if they had it any cheaper they'd be losing money on it. So I thought that was just a fantastic deal and a game I love. And another game I don't think any of us has owned. I've played it a couple times, so the people that own it, and that is Tiny Epic Galaxies. Mm-hmm. Um I think it had the oh, the dark edition. You lost me. T- Matthew, we've talked about Tiny Epic games before. Those so are this not is allowed the, in So the Brady, premises. are you sensing the theme of Matthew's list which is Small packages. <laughs> I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue. Um, you're derailing the podcast, John. We're going to have to have you on. More yeah. often. This is a family All right, show. Tiny Epic Galaxies. Um, this is the only tiny epic game that I would um, recommend to anybody. And I've played probably five or six of them now. Um, I think there's the Dark Edition or Dark Galaxy version of it too either one is fine um but it adds a very unique kind of condensed big galaxy feel of um going out to different planets getting resources getting um uh, items and you have cards you have action points and trying to uh, score with resources and populations on these planets and everything uh and it adds like it's a game that has a lot of you know you're planning in, in advance you're keeping track of what your opponents are doing um and i think it has a, a pretty good way to come complexity and strategy for something in such a i mean it, and it only cost i didn't mention to 1999 so okay. the same as blue lagoon uh, i think this is a game you'd probably really enjoy uh johnny probably look i'd actually recommend to kind of look at it and yeah. see if you want to pick it up because i don't think any of us have it um but i think it'd be a great game to have in the collection to if you want a little bit of a space theme uh but something i know you don't have a lot of space right now in your no. apartment but you could definitely have it there on your table and it definitely has like i mentioned before with blue lagoon where you know you're feeding off your opponents and you can get some good even though it's not a big heavy euro like great western trail sure. you can still get some of that the, the vibes for a little yeah. bit of a heavier kind of I, strategy put into yeah, it yeah i haven't forayed into any of the tiny epic games i know i've seen lots of them on kickstarter or other places uh, yeah. and i know i've heard mixed reviews of uh, some of them but i'd definitely be interested in looking yeah. at for that. some people that's like tiny epic uh gameland games and all that stuff they love them um, but I think Tiny Epic Galaxies, uh, I think it is the Dark Unit, Dark Galaxy edition or whatnot, uh, is definitely one. I, I think, yeah, you, let's pick it up and we can get to play it some more. 
but that's me. I came out to a total of $98.15. Oh, um, the least amount of money. Yeah, so I, get, I still have really money to quick. buy a McChicken. <laughs> recap. Recap your games there. Yeah, so I started off with No Thanks, The Mind, Resistance, Codenames, Forbidden Desert, Blue Lagoon, and Tiny Epic Galaxies. How many is that? One, six. two, three, four, five, six, seven. Wow. And two so of those just, were $20 that, games. I didn't even... I did not expect you to go in that direction. I honestly expect you to do, do more like John and put I thought like about two it. heavy euros, like Great Western Trail and like Maracaibo. I, I was going to do that, but I saw Tiny Epic Galaxies and Blue Lagoon mm. both in there. 40 bucks, you could kind of uh, kind of replace that with a little bit bigger, heavier sure. game. But I thought, you know, I've played these games and I've gotten enough out of them that I really enjoyed kind of the, the thinking nature of it. But now I have two uniquely themed, very different games. Um, okay, and I yeah. think, I yeah, think that's, that's, a fair that's my collection. And this is so, I mean, you could fit all these games in a backpack. You can fit your entire board game collection like this in a backpack. Future so, episode right there. There we go. All right, Our Brady, uh, you can bring us home. You probably have two right. games on your can list. I make a, can I make a prediction of a game? A prediction? No. You, did you add Lorenzo? No, I'm just assuming because I looked at it in my uh, foray. There is a awkwardly shaped box game. In Concordia his, or Hadara is definitely on this list. Concordia. Concordia was my guess. I was just I'm assuming because I think it well, was 45 first, uh, or something. Speaking of small packages and big games and small packages, we got to go with QE. Oh, oh I still kidding. yet to I, play that. Oh. I'm just kidding. I'm not doing QE. I just have to get a good old reaction out of you guys. <laughs> Um, okay, so I thought about doing the resistance. Instead of doing the resistance and code names, I just decided to combine those Decrypto. into Decrypto. Yeah, so I saw I saw that as as an option. I was like, Brady probably picked that one up. What was the cost $15, on that? Fifteen dollars. Well worth fifteen dollars. It's, it's, um, it's I'd say it's worth it. And I uh, what I like about Decrypto is you can play it with gamers and non gamers and. Still have a good time, kind yeah. of. Either I way. just, I think in the rulebook they should have just printed, "Hey, start playing one round, and then you'll understand it." Because yeah. I tried to teach yeah. this to my family, and I taught them, you know, Crystal Palace and Scythe, and they caught on to that faster than they caught on to Decrypto and my rules explanation. Yeah, it so, never fails that no matter who you're teaching this to, and it's I think confusing. all, yeah, the first you literally have to play around of it because it's almost backwards, like your rationale of yeah. trying to figure things out. Because it's it's so simple once you know how sure. to play it. It's yeah. so easy, but I, yeah, teaching people how to play. It's almost better if you have like a captain on each yep. team who know how to play it. All right. Anyway, so that is my sort of party game, mm -hmm. strategy game. They're kind of do, running double duty here. Um, second, and this is the most board game in a box you can possibly get, I think, as far as like density to mass here, tension to board game, and that is... Blue Lagoon, psych. Oh, I did have it on my list. Got him. Crossover here. Got Let's him. Go. It's, um, it for nineteen ninety nine. It's a ridiculous deal. No, it, Blue Lagoon has so much tension in it. It has um, like as much tension as some of these hugely heavy sure. board games. Like I'm feeling the same amount of tension that I have in like Blood Rage and stuff like that in this tiny little game. The whole time I'm going, oh my gosh, I've got to control this area, but mm -hmm. I've got to get over here. Um, and I don't need these people ruining my my uh, my plans, chain, all that yeah. kind of stuff. So that was nineteen ninety nine. Now moving up the list, and this may be because we played it yesterday. It may also be because it's always on sale because no one else likes this <laughs> game. And that is Royals for twenty five dollars. I think that's it, a good choice. I didn't realize it was still in print. Like they're yeah. Well, they this is the Arcane Wonders edition. That's the second edition actually. 
Um, but it, I this was like the most under the radar game I've ever seen because it is always you say 25? On, 25. And this is, that's this is like that's a, a really good ride. deal. Yeah, this is a ticket to ride ticket board game. Killer. Yeah. Um, that's a lot that that really is a lot of board game for twenty five dollars. That's yeah. yeah. And this game, even though it's it's really simple and you can introduce it to people like your parents and and new people, for me it creates it has a lot of tension and a lot of great um, decision making. Um, I went with a, a new strategy that I hadn't gone with before. Um, but you, you kind of have this tension of like, do I rush out there and get all mm-hmm. these easy points really quick? Um, or do I try to wait and play like the longer game? And the thing um, what's great yeah. about Royals is both of those are vi- equally viable. Yeah, there are so many different, and that's one of my biggest compliments of the game. In in contrast to its simplicity, is that there are multiple multiple levels of scoring that you can kind of focus on and keep track of. And it is just mean enough. It like <laughs> feels mean without being mean because you yeah. never take a spot you know, intentionally on one player, you're always taking a spot for a reason. It just happens to be on a player. Yeah. Usually. Um, and, and so you, it, you never feel like you're being personally attacked. And usually that is, player, that player isn't losing points. Usually when that other player placed on there, they got something. Usually when you're placing it, you're messing up their like area control for end of round scoring. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. It's and a good then, pick. Yep. And then lastly, my, Bigger hefty boy, and that is Concordia. Oh, it's a go. good deal. It's only forty dollars. It was fantastic for forty dollars. I think oh, that's a great euro. I feel pick. like when we looked at it before, it was closer to sixty. Maybe that's come down. It retails for like sixty, but it's usually floating around. Yeah. Where'd you find it at for forty? I saw multiple listings for forty. I can pop yeah. up again, but um, and so that's that why comes I, in at one hundred and ninety-eight dollars. But fortunately. I am a level seven on Cool Stuff Inc., so I automatically get ten percent off. So that's where I'm taking that ninety-eight cents from. All right, a hundred dollars and ninety-eight cents. Yep, I think that's for fair. that game for that game list. I'm pretty sure that's a foul, John. <laughs> I think that's that's fine with me. It always are you cool. are you serious? You really are a member on on Cool Stuff Inc. Yeah, You're, get, how do you get I, to a seventh level membership? You spend a crap ton of money. Are you it. like a Grand Mason? Yeah. Something like that. Seventh level arbitrarian. Shout yeah. out, Steven. Very good. Well, hopefully that none of you all ever have to be in a situation course. where this happens. I have had I've had had other people tell me some stories of uh, going up through uh, the divorce or their girlfriend got mad at them and decided to throw all their board games outside in the rain Yikes. and got destroyed. Yeah. Or, um, yeah, or if like... They're in the basement and you get flooded out. Oh, that's the that worst. Water damage will. Just- I know. I know. Tom Vassell's always talking about humidity will destroy your games. Uh, so make sure they're keep kept in a well air conditioned uh, spot and stuff. But hopefully, a tragedy like that never happens. Um, but if you were looking like, hey, get started. I only have a hundred dollars. I always when I'm thinking about cost acquisition, I'm always thinking like, how many hours of working yeah. does something cost me? I remember I was working. One summer, uh, doing some kind of construction work with some guys I knew during, during you know, in, in college, just to do something for the summer. Uh, we worked on decks and some roofings, and we started the morning off. And one of the guys working with me and stuff, he went into the gas station, bought some beef jerky, some um, Monster Energy drinks. And he spent like twenty five dollars before the work day had even started. And I looked over at him and I was like, you know, you're 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 using like thirty percent of your your day's work income on a gas station stuff. And he's like, ah, I just don't think about it like that. But to me, I'm like, you're like yeah, 30% right, right. of your daily income you just spend at a gas station yeah. every day. And he does that almost every day. And I was just like, 
but you know, for that's how I look at stuff. And yep. so a hundred dollars, yeah. when you break it down, like after taxes, you know, if you're working a minimum job, I mean, that could be a pretty significant time investment, time investment. But I think, um, I think all the games we put on this list, the amount of time you can get out of playing, I think all the games on our list have immense replayability. Yeah. I think um, value is the, the key word, right? Yeah. So say you're, you're listening to this and you like are new to board games, or maybe you're looking for a few new games that you could get some some distance out of the money you'd get. Any of these games, I think, would be worth their weight in, in money for the value you'd get out yeah. of it. Yeah, like John said, even, even a deck of cards, like there's really... You less exciting. Be, less exciting. Um, no miniatures. No meeples. Did anyone have a miniature? Uh, excuse me, there? X-Wing. Three okay. painted miniatures. Yeah. Three. And I think uh, Tiny Epic Galaxy has like little wooden, no, no, little no, miniatures no. of spaceships in I there. Blue Lagoon. The, the the components in Blue Lagoon are nice. Oh, yeah. Yep. All righty. So you know what time it is. Year versus. It's year versus year. year. And That's so right. this is going to be the final one for, um, for the month of August. And so I've got a little twist on here for you boys. Um, what are we doing different? We're going to do a little bit of a throwback. To our birth year. Oh, no. So I like it. Mine. We're, we're all different years, right? 1992. I'm the old man Ooh, in the group. I'm 96. I'm 94. So we're all 90s kids. And yep. this was before, I would say, before the golden age of board games. Fortunately, nobody got the Holy Grail, which is 95. That's Catan. Yeah, that would so, be an easy sweep. Yeah. So we'll have to see. who, who We got them pulled up. Who wants to go first? Let's do them one at a time. So we each pick three games. Matthew, what's your first 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 game you want to throw out? Well, first I got to recognize um, some some of these games. Well, the first one that jumps right at the top is Robo Rally. Ooh, um, yeah, I didn't realize. I, I think this may be the f- there was a couple editions of Robo Rally. I can't remember which. Stephen is the one in the group who owns it. Um, but this is 1994, and Good it looks programming like this. Game. Yeah, it's a programming, and we don't have a lot of. We, we don't. Do we have many other programming games? I'm trying to think. Um, but essentially, you're programming your actions that your little robot will take to try to get to a little objective or a target. Um, but what happens is when your opponent also programs something that is in your way, you clash, you <laughs> yeah. you divert, turns and then all of a sudden you, you have an your robot turns where you didn't think it would turn, and then you just veer off into a ravine. Uh, in a pit and you have to start all over you get shot by lasers or people will shoot you in the back of your your robot it's just kind of like a rock'em sock'em kind of thing and you're it's just a quick fun game it's supposed to be a little more fast paced uh, but that came out in 1994 and it's currently still ranked 459 so it's wow. still a top 500 <laughs> board game geek all right john you have yours i do have I have one, and this is going to be just a throwback to me being a kid and That's playing okay. playing this all the time because it was one of the only games I recognized. But the famous Pokemon trading card game what? was originally released in 1996. Wow, the Pokemon trading so card game. Get your holographic first edition Charizards. Charizards. I've got mine up in the room. Um, oh, a shout out know? to uh, Logan Paul walking I, out with a million dollar Charizard. I think this is probably the most valuable game that will be on any of our lists if you were to own it all. Um, but no, well, yeah, it, monetarily, yeah. I never played this game correctly as a kid. But uh, tons of fun memories. Love the Pokemon. I don't think any. I don't think anyone I knew knew how to play. Pokemon at all. They yeah. just collected We the traded cards. them in elementary school. You better oh, yeah. believe it. And I I did the most wonky trade with this girl I had a crush on back in the day. She, did you give her your holographic? I, I gave her the holographic Charizard no, for something you didn't. dumb. Uh, I, I had a few of them back then, so I still have one. But how, uh, yeah. well, Hold on a second. How many holographic, at, at, at your peak, how many holographic Charizards did you own? I believe I had four. 
I had four, but they weren't like the, you know, and I, I was trading them around, so they weren't like in pristine. But in theory. Yeah. And now I have two. So. But what, what makes the ones you have different from the ones that are worth like a million dollars? It's the, like the first edition versions and then the fact that they're in like pristine condition. So they but are like printed. Yours aren't first edition. Uh, not my Charizards. I do have a couple of first edition Pokemons, but Pokemans. Um, <laughs> all right. Anyways, so I'm going to go with mine. And again, this is a throwback to my childhood. And I hope you guys know what this is. But mine is Don't Wake Daddy. Do you guys know what that is? I have never heard. No? Please, please enlighten me. No. Oh, my gosh. All right. So in Don't Wake Daddy, um, I can't remember exactly what you're trying to do, but you're going around a board. And in the middle, there's this animatronic daddy laying in a bed. And if you like move so much in the game you wake daddy and he like sits up out of bed really fast his little night cap comes <laughs> flying off of him and he's like screaming and you you were like trying to get around the board and collect things without waking daddy um the commercials were hilarious it was like one of those classic 90s commercials for don't wake daddy anyways i Too hope funny. there are some people out there who recognize don't wake daddy all right, Matthew, what's your next one? All righty. This game comes in at 2,753 on the Board Game uh, Geek's overall ranking. 223rd most um, favorite party Daddy game. was 21,000. <laughs> <laughs> this is Catchphrase. Oh, wow. The original Catchphrase came out in 1994. Is it like a little electronic thing? And looking here at some pictures, and it does look like it has a very... Wow. They had electricity of, back then? <laughs> I know. <laughs> so it's, it's a wonder we made it out of the 90s alive. Um, but I'm looking here at some pictures from the original. It looks like it has a couple very basic buttons on it. Um, but and, 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 and I don't remember ever playing this original version of the game. We've all played Catchphrase. That they've re-implemented it over and over throughout the years. Uh, but the game is still pretty much the same. And it's still a party game that people... Uh, really like to use, so that's pretty cool. Apparently, it used to it has an alternate name. It also went by password for a time there. Oh. Yep, and it has a complexity weight of one point one five. All right. Well, the board game uh, higher powers have apparently wanted me to only pick card games. So my second pick is going to be no ranked eight hundred and sixty eight. The original Netrunner came out in. 1996 wow. so not android so this, netrunner oh, okay this is the game that that game was expanded upon but in doing a quick little search here this was the original game that introduced that corp versus runner strategy there were some balancing issues that caused it to be you know kind of remade into that android netrunner kind of brought hmm. up to the times but this was the game that started i believe android netrunner was at the top of the games list for a little while at least it was pretty popular yeah yeah all right, I'm going to save the best for last, and I'm going to go back to another childhood throwback because I don't have a whole lot on here. And I'm going to go with Lupin Louie. Have Ooh. you guys played Lupin Louie? Don't, don't do Louie like that. <laughs> you well, got Louie on your list? Yeah, I got Lupin Louie. And Lupin there was... Harley newer. There was a... <laughs> <laughs> there was a version called Lupin Chewy that we used to play at X-Wing tournaments. What is this? I have no idea. So, essentially, you you... You play it's a it's a one v one game, and you play where this Lupin Louie is flying around a board, and you have to hit a button that makes him like come down at just the right time to like steal the other player's stuff. I can't even remember okay. what it is, but in in uh, Lupin Chewie, it's stormtroopers because like you, uh, you hit it and you hit the other person's like stormtroopers yeah, yeah, yeah. or the rebel players or whatever. So yeah, Lupin Louie. It's a little. It's like one of those very like gimmicky games where it's like. 
centered around this yeah. like very toy factor thing. Maybe there can be a lot of fun had in those still. Yep. Uh, I saved the best for last. When I saw this on the list, I was like jackpot. Um, and I did not realize the game was this old, but this is apparently the third edition of this game. Um, so I don't even know how old the original versions of this are. In 1994, the third edition of the one and only Talisman uh-huh. was released. Is there a fourth edition, John? Great. I think they're on the sixth right now. Lord. Hopefully but it's the last edition. The third edition Talisman. I'm looking at stuff. It doesn't... The main core concept of it has changed. I will never, for the rest of my life, ever forget the moment where in the same game, um, someone was both turned into a frog. Was that you, John? That was me. John was turned into a frog, and Brady... Uh, had fell, a choice fell through the ice caps, but he did. But he chose to be greedy, and he fell through the ice. All of his loot, his items, everything stayed on that space of the board. And I came up and picked it up. Yeah, um, and I it was rolled a dice and lost everything. Yeah, oh, it's a it's fire. a very unique, interesting game where you're essentially rolling a die and you're going around the outside, around the outside, around, around the, the outside. outside. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and you don't make a single decision during nope. the whole game. It's wonderful. Yeah. Life is a highway. Yeah. All right, John, what is yours? So I saved uh, the most complex for last, and I thought about I did have the Catan 5th and 6th player expansion or the Catan card game yeah, as the yeah. two of the most highly voted um, things on my list. But what I ended up going on was ranked number 260 on board game. Still, overall. okay. Can you give us some hints? war to... game. Can you... Oh, war game. It is Hannibal. Rome versus Carthage. So this game is a two-player war game in which I've never heard of it. Is playing the city of Rome and one's playing Carthage. You get some elephants. There's some cool-looking miniatures here as well, okay. um, and it's won some war gaming awards. But um, apparently has Avalon's Hill, Avalon Hill's very popular card system, and was one of the uh, kind of progenitors of that in the war gaming sphere. You've worked as a salesman before, yeah. having why don't you? <laughs> why don't you pick that one up for us for our yeah. master's games? So we'll, I'll, we'll I'll let me on. check the geek market right now. Out of print. Right. David knows this was coming. I know David knows this was coming. My heavy hitter way. is modern art. Oh. Are you? Nineteen ninety-two. It's it's crazy that. That game has been around so long. And yeah, I, it always, that's a good game. Whenever we talk about these games it's, back in the 90s, like I wish we would have had access to these type games growing up because I would have loved stuff like To Call, To Catan, uh, these other ones that we don't mentioned. Don't Wake Daddy. Don't, yeah, Don't Wake Daddy. Um, but it's just a shame that we never knew about these till later on in life. Like what could have been? For sure. I also really enjoyed, I was a huge fan of anything that had to do with the Crocodile Hunter back in the day. So they had a Crocodile Hunter <laughs> board game where there was like this little um, kind of randomly controlled alligator in the middle that would like run around the board and try to eat your pieces. It was awesome. That's, I had yeah. Bop It on mine as well, but I didn't want to completely Bop sleep it the category. Was awesome. That would have been, that, that been a good but, pick. Yeah. I would have definitely picked Bop It over the Hannibal <laughs> onslaught. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, which, which if you guys had to go back to one of these years, which one would you go back to? Uh, the ones we've picked. What were your three again, Brady? Mine were Don't Wake Daddy, Lupin Louie, and Modern Art. I mean, I'm picking. Uh, am I not allowed to pick mine? I would pick I would, mine because I have Pokemon. I, yeah, I would. Probably uh, go Netrunner. Back to I played the the print and play of the reboot with uh, Steven, and it was fun. So maybe I would have enjoyed that. And then you know, could always. If I could go back games. to my Pokemon days, that would be that yeah. would be. Yeah, I'd probably go with you as well. I didn't feel like 94 was the strongest year. Um, 
The Lion King did come out in 1994. That does redeem well, it. Well, if we were all. doing movies, Matthew, you might have had a fighting chance. Well, boys, I think this is going to be it for uh, this week's episode and kind of rounding out our year versus year series for the month of August. As always, I'm Matthew. I'm Brady. And I'm John. And this has been The, the Discussion, Discussion Phase. Phase. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Discussion Phase. If you've enjoyed our content and like to hear more, make sure to tune back every week for new episodes dropping. You can follow us on Instagram at the Discussion Phase for new posts of reviews, playthroughs, and our general impressions on games. You can also let us know what you think and join in on the discussion and send us an email at the Discussion Phase at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>